Ciao, and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 615. Today, it's all about Ferrari. Never believe what your father tells you about cars. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Aaron Jenkins. Hey, Aaron, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, hit the engine start button and go. All right. Love it. Aaron Jenkins is the editor-in-chief at Forza Magazine. Forza is a Ferrari-focused publication packed with intriguing articles from the heart of the Ferrari world, including incisive road tests, history, race reports, insider news, and stunning photography. Published by Ross Periodicals, Forza is one of the excellent automotive publications, including Excellence for Porsche, Bimmer for BMW, of course, and Corvette magazines. Aaron grew up in central New York near Watkins Glen Racetrack, and he's lived in San Francisco Bay Area since the mid-90s, and he's worked in marketing. But he found his home at Forza, and he's currently working on his 100th issue. Wow. So, Aaron, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles, specifically Ferraris? Yeah, I think that um, uh, passion is a perfect way to put it, and we'll talk a little bit about that more later, I'm guessing. But for me, cars have always just been... One of a very few things that I've always been drawn to, and for me at least, it's not just one mark, it's not just Ferrari, it can be muscle cars or resto mods or uh, American sports cars or European sports cars or Japanese sports cars. For me, it's about going fast, looking cool, handling well, and Ferrari certainly fits all of those bills. <laughs> and and I'll say this to anybody in the audience, if you ever have a chance to drive any current Ferrari, pretty much no matter what other cars you've driven in your life they are going to impress you in some way, whether it's speed or refinement or precision. They are truly astonishing machines. Oh, gosh, yes. What they're producing these days just it blows me away, and every new model just seems to get better and better and more wild and crazy in some way. So we're going to have some fun talking about cars today here, but as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or some kind of mantra. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive, so Aaron, take the wheel. 
<laughs> I wish I had an automotive anecdote to uh, give you there. <laughs> but I'm a, with all due apologies to Nike, I think my mantra for success is just do it. Uh, yeah. I think that a lot of people, myself included, traditionally spend too much time inside their heads planning and planning but never executing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get to that action part, nothing really gets done. You know, you can sort of cruise along and do okay, but it's really about just trying stuff. And when something doesn't work, not getting discouraged by it, but just going back and doing it again and doing it again and doing it again until you arrive at a point that you're that you're satisfied with. And along the way, you'll often discover something you didn't know you were trying for. You know, isn't this true? And I've heard this from so many of my guests. It's really the true entrepreneurial spirit And that's what the entrepreneur does is they go out and they just try things. Yeah, they might be a little spooked about fear, but failure, fear, failure really is all about trying and uh, taking that chance. And I love the fact, just do it. I mean, that's one of those marketing genius things. It's so (laughs) simple. I mean, everybody has used it, but it is really important in the world and in life is just Get up and do it. Try it. Experience it. It's okay if it doesn't work out because now you know what not to do. But I think it's a great one. Absolutely. Would you tell me a story that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment as you look back in your life when you realize that you were a car guy? There absolutely is. And anybody who's known me that I've spent more than probably a half hour talking to any time over the past 30-odd years has probably heard this story. On Labor Day in, I want to say, 1989, uh, some family friends who were going to Watkins Glen for a track day drove up to uh, visit us in their brand new Porsche 944, Mm. which at the time was probably the hottest car in the world. Just It introduced the four-cylinder turbocharged engine with, I think, what was it, 220 horsepower, 240 pound-feet of torque, but it had the brilliant 944 handling, it looked the part, and magazines and buyers just completely lost their minds. And I had read about it, and I had seen pictures of it, and they just showed up in it, black on black. Wow. And the guy asked me, uh, can you drive a stick? And I said, yeah. Had no idea where this was going, and he tossed me the keys. Nice. The stick that I was driving at the time was a Volkswagen Rabbit diesel, which I think had 47 horsepower. <laughs> yeah, something like something that. Like that. <laughs> so I just shrugged, took the keys, turned the engine, and took off. And I think I I drove and grabbed my best friend, and we just spent probably three quarters of a tank of gas just winding up and down the roads and going to visit other friends, both, both showing off the car and getting the first real high-performance driving experience I'd ever had. Mm. And when I got back something like three hours later, the owners were calm enough not to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you had to go, where have you been? For it. There was a little bit of that, but I yeah. think they get to, but the car was still alive. Of course, yeah. Which is one big thing, and I was still alive, and the smile on my face, it was a transformative day. And, and ever since then, I've always, whenever I had a cool car in my possession, whether I owned it or whether it was a press car of some kind, I've always tried to take the time to to share it with people, whether it was the kids coming on the up on the street or we were just doing a California tea handling speciale story last week mm-hmm. we were parked next to the beach taking pictures and a guy just showed up and said hey can i take a selfie of myself in your car it's like sure hop in <laughs> just because that spirit uh is there to be shared i think and it, yeah. it it's not just about the car it's about the people and the way the car affects people whether they think it's beautiful or it sounds great or it looks great 
it's just all part of the uh I think the car guy experience, car girl experience. Yeah, this is a reoccurring theme here on Cars Yeah as I talk to people and we talk about cars but it really is the people. And it's that way in life as well, but in the car world people are just they're just nicer. I mean, they're willing to share, they're willing to help you, they're willing to offer suggestions in some cases, they're willing to toss you the keys. I've had more sets of keys <laughs> tossed at me than that I just stood there stunned, probably the the most amazing ones was during a Cavallino event when a guy that I just met tossed me the keys to his 250 short wheelbase and said, let's take it for a spin on the track. <laughs> and I just went, that's pretty good. Serious? Well, it gets better. Later that day, another guy in front of the breakers, same thing, tossed me the keys to his and said, go ahead and take it for a spin and just give it to the valet when you get back. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's going on today? It's like the nicest Ferrari people in the world come to this event. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really special when somebody shares their car with you and even gives you a ride or gives your kid a ride or lets them sit on it in the lawn at Pebble, whatever it might be. Very nice. In the 944, my good friend Bill, who's a regular listener here, just bought one on Bring a Trailer, found a beautiful car, low miles. Ah, he loves that thing. So, uh, yeah, those are pretty special cars. They kind of broke all the rules when they came out with those too. Yeah, for sure. Well, Aaron, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. Of course, the most important part of this is how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you? So take us to that painful time and place, kind of walk us through it, and then how did you come out of that? Well, this is, um, and actually, just to forewarn you before I answer this, this is the one I had the most trouble with. Hell, (laughs) I'll tell you something. It usually is with people, but. This is the question that I get the most emails from my listeners on because of the way people answer this question because we all face challenges and failures, every one of us. And the important thing here is what did it teach us so that we could help other people get through something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So my my anecdote will be about the house we just bought, which is so not car oriented, but it actually, (laughs) I think, winds back to the just do it thing that I started with. Okay, cool. All right. Give it a shot. Go. The thing that came to mind when uh, I was thinking about this question was actually nothing professionally and nothing related to cars at all. It came from uh, my wife and I bought a house just over a year ago now. Mm-hmm. And we live in Marin County, north of San Francisco, and it's things are very expensive. Oh, gosh, uh, they're out of control. <laughs> yeah. So we spent a lot of time looking and slowly raising our budget and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So we finally found a place that was off market that we fell in love with and put in an offer. It was uh, accepted and everything was going along smoothly until we discovered that the sort of no-name mortgage company that we had been working with hadn't they had been asking for all sort all the usual information, like send us ten years of tax returns. Yeah, um, what's your underwear size? Underwear size, <laughs> right? How many cats do you have? Were yep. you raised Catholic or Protestant? You can <laughs> yeah. just endless. And I actually left on a trip, I think for the four eighty eight GTB launch in Italy, and I was just getting on the plane for the ten hour flight over there when my wife called me and is like, I just got a call from the mortgage company saying they don't have any of the information they requested. What? And I'm, you know, I, I literally stepped out of line from boarding and I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been sending this all along. Right. And I quickly got into my email and forwarded all this information to her and said, okay, well, I don't get why there's an emergency. Here's all the information I sent. Here's where you can find it on the computer. I got to get on the plane. I'll call you when we arrive in Frankfurt. And it turned out while I was on the plane, suddenly, you know, I had thought everything was completely under control. Now I have to sort of sweat it out. Yeah, nice flight. Yeah, exactly. 
So I talked to her, and it turned out that all the information that we had been sending had been handed off to the actual guy who was supposed to, I guess in this case, just do data entry mm. so that the decision makers could see it. And it turns out he was a contractor who was really, I think, a high school teacher in the middle of finals at that time. And everything had just disappeared into the ether despite us being oh my gosh. told repeatedly, we're on schedule, we're on schedule, we have a special short escrow, don't worry, we're going to hit it. Yeah. And on and on and on. Oh, my gosh. And over the course of the next week, I think my blood pressure went up yeah. probably 40 <laughs> points. Yeah. Neither of us were sleeping. We were arguing with each other because we were so mad at this company, but we couldn't do anything to them. Right. And the lesson that it, it taught me, although I, I unfortunately didn't figure this out until afterwards. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of going through these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was that. There wasn't anything gained by being frustrated by it. Mm -hmm. You know, we could yell at them till the cows came home and they deserved it. We could get mad and virtually crumple up paperwork that we were sending them. We could stamp our feet and everything. But what would have helped the situation was just understanding this is the goal. This is what we can do to proceed toward that goal. And that's all we can do. Right. And when something comes up, don't. Don't look at it as, hey, these guys are screwing us over. We're victims here. It's just like, okay, here's the next task. Let's just do it and stay detached from it emotionally, not get, not get drawn into the, the sort of fraught situation, which it was. The price is high. The escrow is fast. The sellers want to move. But what, once we, again, once we got through it and sort of looked back at it, it was just like, that was a whole lot of wasted energy for nothing. Right. And since that time, I've actually brought that to a lot of areas of my life at work when uh, – I'm sure you can relate to this – when when uh, stories don't show up on time, when something's wrong, when photos don't, don't uh, happen the way they're supposed to. It just is. And all you can do is – the only thing that it makes sense to do is just revise your plan and act on it. Yeah. You know, what comes to mind here, I just had a guest on the show about a month ago now, I think, Jacques Dallier, and he is a – he owns a company called Performance Prime, and what he does is he trains professionals and professional race car drivers how to be the best that they can be. He's written a absolutely fantastic book that I just finished reading that is just – it's just absolutely awesome, Performance Thinking, and – Basically, what he talks about in here is how to learn not to worry about the things that you can't do anything <laughs> about. I've got to send you a copy of this book because I think I'd like to read it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it sounds easy, but what he does is he teaches people and he, he's taught hundreds of race car drivers all the way back to Nigel Mansell that he worked oh, wow. with and he works with serious drivers now. Many of my guests who've been on cars. Yeah. And that's exactly what he does is he teaches people how to realize that that is actually true. And that's the problem I think we most have is when we're in the heat of it, we feel like we've got to do something about the thing we can't do anything about. And that ends up with arguing with our spouses, our friends, our partners, whoever that might be, throwing things or, you know, who knows what it would right. be. So, sending nasty emails that you're going to regret one way or another. Uh, yeah, because, you know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Jacques, uh, Jacques Daillet's book is absolutely worth reading. So <laughs> I'm sorry you had to go through that, but, you know, everybody who's ever <laughs> gone through an escrow has 
just had to deal with this. I don't know. It's just a bad, painful process. Somebody come, needs to come up with a better way to do that whole thing. Let's shift gears here, Aaron, and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when something really grand lights up in your head and you go, you know what? This is the way I need to go. This is These are the steps I need to take. So tell us about what steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. The thing that comes to mind is not is not a particularly entrepreneurial uh, thing. I met the founder of uh, Forza back in, I want to say like 1999, maybe 2000, Mm -hmm. when I was working in online marketing and my boss at the time was his uh, girlfriend. And I had, uh, my first job was as a writer in academia and then I became an online project manager. And I always looked at cars as a as a fun thing, as a hobby, as a whatever. Uh, when the dot-com bubble burst and I found myself without a job, I actually started thinking about it as a, as a possible profession. Um, so I called the founder of Forza, Henry Rasmussen, and asked if he uh, was interested, if he needed anybody to do any uh, freelance work for him. And this is not surprisingly an offer I get all the time now that I'm the editor. Uh, <laughs> but, my, but my background, I do have a couple of English degrees, so I was at least qualified in that sense. Sure. And he said, well, we're actually looking for somebody to come in, learn the ropes for all the magazines, and eventually take over as the editor of Forza. And I said, uh, I'm there. (laughs) I'm your guy. (laughs) That was pretty much the entire interview process. Wow. But the thing that I realized, besides the power of good timing, was that I had always looked at having a job and earning money is just something I did. Mm. It didn't really matter what it was. It was just like, okay, I'm good at writing. I'll be a writer or I'm good at managing projects. I'll be a project manager. But as soon as I had passion for or enthusiasm for, in this case, the subject material. Mm -hmm. So it's the same skills I already had, but now I'm doing it related to something that I'm passionate about. Mm. That if I win the lottery tomorrow, I'll have a hundred car garage and being able to do that as a profession and have the experiences that I've had has made all the difference. And I know now that um, if I'm ever in the job market again, I am not going to be looking for a project management job or I'm not going to be a writer in academia again because caring about what you work on, for me at least, makes all the difference. It oh, makes yeah. it a completely different experience. Well, you uncovered the secret to cars, yeah, because that's what this show is all about, <laughs> is, is uh, you know, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, people that have figured out exactly what you figured out. They figured out that I can wrap my passion for cars into my vocation, and it can be a wonderful thing, and so that every day doesn't feel like just a job and you're living for the weekends because there, you know there's there's no reason you should take chances on things that you kind of hope for an end game of retirement why not do it while you're doing it oh absolutely and it, it's certainly not like sometimes it's not just a job and there are good days and there are bad days even when you're doing something you love but as long as the as long as the passion is there as long as the excitement is there even if you lose track of it for a while it always comes back and sort of buoys you up when times get hard oh yeah absolutely and i've had a lot of people on the show who are from italy and every italian i've had on the show talks about passion so there's that tie back to ferrari (laughs) and forza and oh you know it's just a passionate place and and of course ferraris are all about passion so perfect perfect answer well how about proudest career moment i would assume you've had many you've been doing this for a long time but is there one that stands out you'd like to share with us there is and it's not 
it's not anything special that I did. It was at one time when I was flying over to a uh, car launch in Marinello, and I forget what car it is. Uh, I was walking through the Frankfurt airport, and I came across a copy of Forza inside, actually on a little one of the little rotating stands outside of a bookseller mm-hmm. inside the airport. And there was just something about that moment, seeing a magazine that I created, you know, as as the editor, I'm responsible for every story, every word, every photo that's inside that thing. Mm -hmm. And sort of abstractly, I know that there are uh, X thousand number of subscribers. I know the print run is this big. I know that it's shipped around the world. But actually coming across and seeing it in a completely foreign country, 6,000 miles away from where I work on it in my desk, in my office every day, was just like, wow. That's that's really cool, and it's it, it was something that had never really hit me before. You know, it, yeah, I know exactly the feeling, and it, it is a really special feeling because you see it in a different perspective. You you have kind of a bit of a paradigm shift because of what you, where you are in a different place, different country, and you see it in a different way. It's almost like when you see a car that you've seen your whole life, and you see it in a different setting. And it just looks different. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Perfect. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. Let's go back in time again and have you talk to me about your first really special car, that first car that you got that you really went, (laughs) oh, man, I finally got it in my garage. This is cool. And maybe share a memory you have of that vehicle. Um, the first really special car I owned was a 1997 Miata M edition, and the M edition part was secondary. I didn't really care about that. That just happened to be the car that came along when I was ready to buy one. But like... Every non-Miata owning enthusiast in the early 90s, I was like, I gotta have one, one of these days. <laughs> yeah. That thing just looks perfect. Everything I've read says it just is a wonderful driving experience, da da da. So fast forward to, I guess it was 1998, and I can't even remember how it came about, but I, I bought this car, and the first thing I did, I drove it around for a while, stock. And was fairly underwhelmed with it. And then I jumped on the uh, modification bandwagon. I lowered it, stiffened the suspension, put on wider wheels, stickier tires. And all of a sudden, I had one of the most involving to drive cars I've ever driven. There's just <laughs> something There's something about the first and second gen Miatas, mm-hmm. about the porsche boxster about the mitsubishi evo let me think eight and nine it's not about how expensive these cars are there's just something there's just something fantastic about the driving experience something something tangible something tactile something that just communicates with you the car talks to you in a way that isn't assured no matter how much money you're spending so i had this miata for um i think six years and then i replaced it with a Porsche Boxster, which, you know, both are great handling cars, fairly slow by any standard. But my measure for it was I would fly over to Italy on a press trip. I drive, say, an F430 Spider through the Alps. And, you know, that's not something that happens to me every day. (laughs) If I could come back to the airport and hop in my car and enjoy the drive home, I would know that the car that I was in was good regardless of price or manufacturer or something like that. And first the Miata and then the Boxster never failed to put that smile on my face. There's just something special about both of those cars that transcends money, cachet, anything like that. 
I've had so many guests on the show that have had Mazda Miatas and just love them. People that drove them on the street, racers, SCCA racers. And I remember when they first came out, a guy I worked with, young guy, bought one and let me drive it. And I was like, I was living in San Diego, top down, sunny. We drove, <laughs> drove it down to the bay for lunch. And it was just like, this is just, this feels so good. I was driving a 911 Carrera at the time, which I love that car. I won't say I like the Miata better because I'm just a diehard Porsche guy, but it put a huge smile on my face that I didn't expect. I thought, yeah, oh, this will be yeah. cute and fun, but eh, it'll be all right. But I was like, can I drive it back to the office? This is really cool. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, how about Seller's Remorse? Is there a car that you've let go in your life that you really wish you had back in your garage? Yeah, absolutely. That uh, Boxster that I mentioned. Mm. 2003 non-S, and I specifically chose the non-S because it felt more alive. It wasn't as planted. The, it didn't grip as well. So there was just more involvement in the car at lower speeds in particular. But I think that you just can't say enough about how good that car is. As a comfortable car, as a good handling car, as a car with two trunks, it just did everything right. wonderfully. And uh, aside from having to buy tires every 10,000 miles <laughs> yes, or so. Yes, that's the Porsche. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I, uh, We had our son... And we wanted a four-door, uh, sorry, a four-seat car to carry him around. Oh, and yeah. So that's where that went. But someday, I'll, I hope to have one again. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, in these new 718s they just came out with, and the GT4, I've got a good friend, Eddie, who's a regular listener. Shout out to Eddie. Just got uh, his GT4. The Cayman GT4. The Cayman, yeah. yeah Those and- are astonishingly good cars well and he's a very skilled driver he's a track driver he teaches people coaches people on the racetrack and drives at speed and he just said oh man this car is incredible so uh yeah the boxsters the caymans they're just wonderful wonderful cars well let's talk a little bit about today and tomorrow and what has you excited right now and really fired up there at forza one thing that's happened recently, um, a couple issues ago, we did more or less for the first time a comparison test between a Ferrari and a non-Ferrari. Um, as a single mark magazine, our tagline is the magazine about Ferrari. And aside from some Maseratis when Ferrari owned them in the early and mid 2000s off the top of my head, maybe mm-hmm. the late 90s, uh, all we've really done is Ferraris. And we came up with a McLaren 675LT. Our Formula One editor, uh, Andrew Frankel, popped up out of the blue with that one day and (laughs) said, hey, what do you think? So after some, uh, I guess, mental hemming and hawing, I wasn't quite sure it was the right thing for the audience, A, if if they'd want it, and B, it wasn't really, we couldn't really do a direct comparison test because I think that whatever the, Challenge Stradale Scuderia version of the 488, turbocharged 488, will be the car that the 675LT is actually a competitor to. Mm. But we did the best we could and found a 458 uh, Speciale and just got out there and drove them and tried to tell the story, not of which was better, not of which was faster, no instrumented tests, but just how... McLaren, the arch enemy, the interloper, felt and what it, what that car was like compared to the Ferrari that, at least in the magazine sense, we're all familiar with. Mm. What they had done right, what they had done wrong. Published that story and wrote an editorial in that issue saying, hey, we're doing this for the first time. Let us know what you think. Do you want to see more of these or should we stay exclusively uh, Ferrari? And 
in my 99 issues so far, I've never gotten as many letters about a single topic as I did about that. Really? Nor as quickly. They were flying in. I didn't even know the magazine had arrived at subscribers' houses before the emails started arriving. Oh, wow. And gotten dozens of passionate on both sides, yay and nay things. I was going to ask, which way did it go? (laughs) You know, I mean, for me, I would love that because I like hearing what it's like to drive a car. Yeah, the zero to 60 is fine and all those specs, but I want to know what's it feel like in the seat of your pants? Yeah, and I think it's, it's, that's a... As I think most automotive journalists will tell you, that's that's a fairly black art, or any car guys. You and I talk the same language, we understand the same terminology, but our senses might not be exactly attuned. My my great brake feel might be too mushy or too firm for your tastes. Mm. So I think that the the yays have won the day. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But also... Even amongst the A's, it was definitely a, this can't detract from Forza's main focus, which is Ferrari. And that was never the intent. Of course, of course. Any subscribers who are listening don't need to worry about that. But we certainly might see in upcoming issues here and there another comparison, whether it's a, I don't know, a 488 and a Lamborghini Huracan or a daytona and a pantera who knows no i i hope you do i i like that i like the concept of it i think it's great it adds some flavor and little uh mix it up if you will which i think is absolutely perfect yeah i think it it certainly mixes up the story possibilities but also it's it's kind of like ferrari as a company grew out of competition you know enzo ferrari started the Scuderia Ferrari racing Alfa Romeo, and he starts his own company to race cars. The road cars kind of come up as a, okay, we need to fund this somehow. Mm -hmm. But if there wasn't anybody to race against, there wouldn't be a point. So that competition, I'm I'm happy to be able to look at it as more than just an abstract. It's like, okay, Ferraris are the best. Let's actually look at how Ferrari compares to the to the people, to the cars it's trying to beat. Right. Now, Enzo's smiling. I think he likes that. He's a competition (laughs) kind of guy, so most definitely. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Aaron. If you were a car, what kind of car would Aaron be, and why? I would like to say that I'd be a Ferrari, maybe a California T, so a little understated, but still elegant, still refined and stuff. But I think I would actually be something like a... 68 Camaro or 70 Mustang Resto Mod. Okay. Why is that? I think because I don't... Maybe I want to, or I just think that I that there's there's a there's there's a public persona that I have that is mostly what I am. But then inside, there's something else that only comes out sometimes, whether it's, you know, spending time with really close friends, whether it's driving really fast down a back road. It's something that's a little more private and not seen, but something that's really exciting. Mm. So something that just, I think, is wonderful about the Restomod movement is that you've got some of the most amazing looking cars ever made. Just just gorgeous, regardless of era or country or whatever. But they've been tuned to be the best they can be without regards to originality. Mm-hmm. They are focused, they are purpose-driven, and they excel at what they do. Mm. You've answered that question perfectly, my friend. 
I love it when people answer that question that way, when they really put some thought into it, because we all want to be a Ferrari. We all want to be an F1 car, a, you yeah, know, beautiful yeah, yeah. something, Alfa Romeo or whatever it might be. But no, you put some thought into that one. So thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. So Aaron, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle? both the exterior and the interior. It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles. And your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week. Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Aaron, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give me some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Wow. That (laughs) is a tough one because I think I'm actually going to say that the best automotive advice I've ever seen came from one of my favorite all-time radio programs, Car Talk, and it was... Never believe what your father tells you about cars. <laughs> and that's not, that's no disrespect to my father who didn't, you know, care about cars to save his life. But too much of what I hear and what I encounter is driven by just, just blind faith in old answers. Sure. No, I like that. Very nice answer. Now, would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success? I've, I've heard this a lot. Um, listening to other um, people on cars, yeah, it comes down to confidence. Mm. And what 
the thing that, that really sort of alarmed me at first when I started doing this job was that I was talking to guys who had more money than I expect to have in 10 lifetimes. But what I quickly realized was that there's no difference between me and a billionaire or me and a Formula One driver or me and a restorer, you name it. We all have our passions. We all have our abilities, but we're all just enthusiasts at what we do. And there's no, there's no reason to, to limit what you ask of someone or what you try to invent with somebody, or in my case, a story you try to pursue with someone, as long as you be yourself and be confident and just put it out there. Comfortable in your own skin. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, how about a resource? There's lots of them out there, but is there one in particular you think our listeners would enjoy? One thing that has really given me a new perspective on life and how to approach uh, life in my profession is a coaching company, I'll call it, called Landmark, which if you've ever seen Tony Robbins, it's a similar thing, you mm -hmm. know, professional, personal coaching, uh, transformative learning. But what it, it really helped me do a lot of uh, what I talked about up front, the just do it mantra, which is that make a plan and don't, don't worry about either how it might not work. Just try it. And if it doesn't work, adjust your plan. But also don't disbelieve in yourself just because something didn't work before. Don't be discouraged by past failure. The past, you know, you failed at something, it didn't work, that happened. That's it. That's all it is. It doesn't mean that you can't create a new version. It doesn't mean you can't try it again. Just do it. Absolutely. I've, my listeners have heard this many times, but one of my favorite Formula One drivers was Ayrton Senna, and mm -hmm. he has a great quote. I have it on my business card. The past is just data. I only see the future. <laughs> and even the great Formula One driver, Nicky Lauda, had a great quote about, I learned more from my failures on the racetrack, my crashes, my non-wins, than I did from any of my wins. It's a great way to look at life, absolutely. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read lately that you think our listeners should enjoy? Yeah, there's one. It's it's not a car book at all. It's Into Thin Air by John Krakauer, and it was mm. about the paid Everest uh, hikers or ascenders or climbers, whatever you want to call them, who were caught in the storm. Uh, wow, it must be like 10 years ago now. And a number of them uh, died on the mountain. Yes. And what was so striking to me about that book certainly was Krakauer's writing for one thing. But the book is primarily about why people do what they do, why they're climbing this mountain, whether it was why the Sherpas do it, why it was Sir Edmund Hillary did it all those years ago, and what drives the people who, many people today, who, who are guided up the mountain, and the things that when they were, when they were caught by this storm, um, one guy in particular was left for dead and essentially woke himself up after 24 hours, I think, in the storm and wandered down the hill and somehow survived, now yeah. missing a nose and fingers and stuff. And he's he's talked, I believe, in that book, and I've also heard him interviewed later about how that experience freed him from his life in a way. Yeah. And that sort of, those sort of personal journeys inside uh, the book really, really spoke to me, really struck a chord. Yeah, they made a movie about that book as well. Uh, definitely the book was better because it gets into more details. Absolutely amazing uh, adventure, uh, disaster, 
catastrophe with the loss of life and everything combined. But wow, I can't even imagine. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources on Aaron's show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Aaron, A-A-R-O-N Jenkins into the search bar. That page will pop up with links. And there's another great place called Guest Recommended Books, where this book into thin air and all the past, uh, gosh, 614 guests before <laughs> books are listed. A lot of great books with uh, quick, easy clicks to buy. So there's a wonderful inventory there for people. All right, Aaron, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Yeah, I gave this question some thought. I hope so. (laughs) Bounced through all the McLaren F1s and the Ferrari F50s and you name it. Yeah. And I think the one I finally came up with was one of my favorite cars that I've uh, driven through working at Forza, and it's the Ferrari F430 Spider. I guess it's got 490 horsepower. It was introduced in, I want to say, 2005, if I'm remembering that correctly. And I'm now that I've said it out loud, I'm probably not. Um, <laughs> but it is one of those cars that is a little older, but it's still powerful enough to feel fast. And I don't think that there's going to be a time anytime soon when 500 horsepower actually feels slow, mm-hmm. whereas 300 is starting to feel a little distance these days. Yeah. Distant these days, for instance. Right. But But there's just something wonderful about that car. It's got all that power, enough to feel quick in the real world, and I think that's the key here. And it's also comfortable enough to drive wherever and whenever you want. It's not so precious that you'd be afraid to drive it or to rack up miles on it. And it's just a wonderful drive. It just, it just, it's a wonderful mix of analog and digital. You still feel you're still driving. There is an electronic differential. There is a traction control system, but they're, they're limited. You don't really feel them. They don't, they don't interfere with things. They don't make you feel like you're out of control or doing something wrong or that they're helping you. It's invisible. And the second part of that is, for me, it's got to be a convertible. There's just <laughs> nothing There's nothing a coupe can offer that overcomes, for me, the experience of the, the wind and smelling things and the sun on your face. I think that, for me, is what makes a driver's car. Yeah, that car had a, what, a 4.3-liter V8, I think, in that yep, thing? and exactly. Yeah, weighed about 3,300 pounds, probably the same weight that my M3 weighs. So, uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit heavy, but, man, 490, 500 horsepower, just wonderful cars. So, ah, yeah, you picked a yeah. nice one. What color would you like? Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm definitely not going red. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> or yellow. I would say... I'd like a maybe a nice silver or a slate gray, something understated, but something that doesn't hide some of the handsome lines that the cars has. Oh yeah, definitely. No, those are those are uh, yeah, special cool cars. I like them. I've never been able to drive one, so now you've got me all all fired up and lathered up that I want to get in one and see what it's <laughs> like. So uh, gee whiz, I think it's one of those cars that no matter what you're used to. Unless all you've ever driven are uh, Veyrons and stuff like that, you won't be disappointed by it. Okay. It still feels like something really special, really tight, and still, like I said, really fast. Uh, nice. Well, Aaron, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you head off down the sunset in that 
F430 Spider? <laughs> uh, I think it's just what I, it's where I started. If you have something that you want to do, whether it's, whether it's uh, a business, whether it's a uh, family idea, vacation, don't wait for it. Right. Make some attempt to, or just, just, just go for it. Just do, take little steps, try to achieve whatever you can to get you toward that goal. And along the way, maybe you'll realize that what you actually want out of that vacation, say, you can achieve a lot easier than you thought. It just looks different than um, what you had in mind originally. But the big thing is take action. Don't just wait for something to happen. Absolutely. Just do it. <laughs> Pretty simple. <laughs> What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Forza Magazine? Uh, Forza has a website. It is uh, all the W's, uh, F-O-R-Z-A hyphen M-A-G dot com, Forza hyphen mag dot com. Or you can uh, find the magazine on newsstands at your fine uh, Barnes and Nobles and occasionally your specialty magazine shops will find it. Or in an airport in Frankfurt. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Aaron's been so kind to share. On his show notes page at carsyeah.com, just type Aaron in that search bar. His page will pop up with links. If you're not a subscriber, you should be. Forza is absolutely fantastic. I've been reading it for years. All the other publications that your company puts out are actually great, too, and I subscribe to all of them. So uh, whatever (laughs) mark you like, I always say if it rolls on rubber, I love it. But uh, definitely have an affection for uh, Ferraris. They're wonderful, fantastic cars. Thank you again, Aaron, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing all your incredible experiences with the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Yeah, my pleasure, Mark. I really enjoyed it. That was cool. Absolutely. It's all my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!